Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale, a show about friends hanging out and going to high school and having a good time. I'm Alex. Sometimes those friendships turn so dark that when one of those people (laughs) die, you mostly ignore the emotional stakes associated with the death (laughs) of a close friend. Terrifying. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the absolutely epic chapter 71, How to Get Away with Murder. It's great. We learned a lot of lessons here. We were wondering about this. Have you guys, uh, we're taping this podcast a little late. It's about 24 hours late. Have you gotten away with murder yet? In the last 24 hours? Yes. Before that, no. (laughs) Oh, Pete, you got some good tips. You're nodding yes, but you're not saying yes. We're we're doing an audio podcast. Yeah, that's true. This week. I I just, um... I don't want to say that I uh, was inspired by this show, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm w- I had to help Justin carry a body. I mean, nothing. Mm. Uh, I should probably mention that I'm a police officer and you're under arrest. So uh, for the murder of. I'll figure that out later. No, nope, you <laughs> have to know. You have to know. It's like me saying, are you a cop? And you can't arrest me. So oh yeah, you have to know who have, who I right. killed, or else you can't arrest me. Well, I'll tell you what: you have the right to. I'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> I have the right to remain <laughs> podcasting for the next hour. Speaking of which, I have the right to recap what's gone on in Riverdale so far because lots of stuff is happening. Yeah, that. Specifically, the right to the, recap, baby. Wait, what were you saying, Pete? What were you saying, it's Pete? Good You're luck recapping, recapping all this shit. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, just to throw back at you, we had a couple of people on our Patreon Slack who were saying they really appreciate the recap, and I've heard from other people in real life they appreciate the recap. So I think it's important to take feedback from the people that we talk about. I agree. Oh, I agree with you, and I it, can't wait to t- talk about some of the things that people talk about. But I also think sometimes people are just being polite, you know? 
I disagree. <laughs> I think you think you think somebody politely posted our Patreon Slack. Oh, I love your recap, Mister Zalbin, sir. Yeah, because obviously I've been beating up on you about it, so somebody might feel like, hey, you know what? Well, I'll tell you uh, what. If anybody on our Patreon is listening to this right now, you don't need to worry about it because I don't care what Pete is saying about this. Uh, I think that uh, in the upcoming Olympics, if they were to um, have an event that was like luge plus recap or like the mm-hmm. 500 yard dash and also Riverdale yep. recap, you would you would bronze at least. Oh, no because he would have to compete in a sport. <laughs> the recapping party is great at, but he wouldn't be able to do a luge or a, I realize I, we're doing this over Skype, but I don't appreciate you pointing to my floppy arms right now. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about a luge, it's just like very aggressive nap, like laying down. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, can we just get into this? Because I do no offense get to the it. luge, the losers out there. Here's yeah, you're really happened. insulting the losers, and I don't appreciate it. Pete, you're wasting a lot of time. I want to recap what happened previously on Cool Runnings, so let's get to it. So there's a Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Am I wasting time and it bothers you because you want to do something? And... I want to talk oh, okay. about Cool oh, Runnings, my favorite feel? movie that's now on Disney Plus, Pete, and you're feel stopping the, me. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Come on, everybody. It's recap time. It's bobsled time. <laughs> cool recapping. <laughs> Jughead is dead, and all of his friends are in power. <laughs> so Jughead, as we found out, uh, went into the woods with a bunch of Stonewall prep students. This is an elite prep school that he was going to. He, uh, We don't have to weigh out the exact things that happened, but I think the important things to remember are that he went into the woods with a bunch of Stonewall prep students. Uh, some things happened that we didn't get to see. Pete, I cannot believe you are multiple times wanting to interrupt the recap, your least favorite part of the podcast. What's going on? Because you should mention he briefly wore a rabbit uh, mask. <laughs> I, I agree. I actually agree with Pete. I do think the bunny mask is important. Yeah, I should mention that the reason for the bunny mask, beyond the fact that there's some sort of shell game we think going on, which they the reason I didn't mention it is they don't bring up the bunny mask at all this episode. Oh, so it's going to come up again. Well, but I figured we could wait and talk about that. And, you know, as we get to theories and things, uh, the bunny mask, by the way, uh, we didn't talk about it was this part the last of the recap. Ep- it happened. You should include it in the recap if you're going to talk about what happened. OK, so chapter one, the river's edge, Cheryl Blossom and Jason Blossom <laughs> walk into the Sweetwater River. There's a gunshot around six o'clock on July fourth. Wow! Only Miss Look, Steve, this is what I'm saying. You could definitely. I'm going to say silver in the recap luge because <laughs> oh, you wow. just changed right, the we'll recap. Recap luge. <laughs> you just went to a different recap and started recapping it. You could recap. I mean, yeah. any episode of Riverdale, which again is not a useful skill, except for this luge recap I keep talking about. Yeah. Archie Comics, first introduced to the 1940s, focusing on a bunch of friends just having a good time and getting into shenanigans. That's what you need to know on Riverdale. Justin, please don't let this guy recap uh, my life at my funeral, all right? I'll come back to life and boo him. That's literally what a funeral is. And he cleaned his apartment late at night, which is a process I do not understand. (laughs) Eulogy is Latin for um, sad recap. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that makes sense Yeah, that's why the priest in Latin And I don't know the translation says Previously on <laughs> Previously on Pete's <laughs> life 
Uh, anyway, so uh, the important things that you need to know, uh, Jughead was attending a, a school called Stonewall Prep. He wore a rabbit mask. The thing that I was going to say that we didn't talk about in the last episode is a lot of the season seems to be based on a book by a real person named Donna Tart, who Donna Sweet is based on. He wrote a book called The Secret History, and in The Secret History, a bunch of uh, students who were very bored, who'd like to dress in Roman-inspired costumes, which there was an Ides of March party in the last episode, uh, killed one of their friends who was named Bunny. So at the very least, mm. that mask is a shout-out to that. That said, Jughead put on a mask, followed Brett um, Weston, uh, excuse me, Brett Weston? Yes. Weston Wallace. Weston Wallace, not Brett Easton Ellis. Brett Weston Wallace into the woods. We didn't see what happened. Then his girlfriend, Betty, followed him into the woods. Donna Sweet, who also goes to Stonewall, followed her into the woods. They confronted to each other. Donna said uh, there was a trigger word that was implanted in her by the cult of farms, specifically by Evelyn Evernever, her uh, arrival from season three. That she found out, you want to hear what it is. We skipped that scene, and the next thing we saw, Betty was standing over Jughead's body with a bloody rock. Veronica and Archie came into the woods, saw her there. Archie tested the pulse of Jughead from easily anywhere between five and ten inches away from Jughead and declared him dead and asked Betty, what did you do? That's where he ended. Now, there's a couple of other scenes you probably actually need to know about that we loop back to this episode. We've been seeing flash forwards, not just throughout this season, but also in the season three finale, specifically to a scene taking place at spring break where everybody burned their clothes on a bonfire. Jughead was not seen. They seem to be covering up his break. Uh, Yeah, great spring break. (laughs) I did the same thing on my spring break. I love it. Uh, Get stripped down your underwear. Spring break. We do loop to a bunch of those scenes that I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the episode. I used to love watching MTV's Spring Break Murder Site. Yes. Uh, They always started it off with whoever was murdered narrating their own murder and saying, they burned my iconic beanie or they burned Jesse Camp or something like (laughs) that. Oh, great reps. Eric Neese presents my murder. He's still alive, Jesse Camp. I didn't overstep my bounds here. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Jesse Camp is not at my house as I'm recording this, as usual. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you could just uh, stick out your fingers and test his pulse, I'm sure it will be fine. I can even tell from thousands of miles away that Jesse Camp is dead. I have the same powers as Archie. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, speaking of which, Archie has been dealing with a lot of stuff, specifically the fact that he's having trouble at school because he was killed by a bear last year and <laughs> has not been able to keep up with his studies. Uh, also, he was offered potentially a spot in the Navy because of his boxing ability last year, his mother, Mary's friend, quote unquote, Brooke, uh, was, I don't know, a lieutenant, I want to say. I don't know too much about the Navy, Uh, but she uh, taught at the (laughs) Navy school and she was the person who offered him a spot there. But at the time he said, no, no, thanks. I have too much stuff going on in Riverdale with with my punching and having sex with my girlfriend. Uh, Speaking of his girlfriend, Veronica, she's dealing with a couple of stuff, things things of her own. Specifically, she's trying to launch a rum business, a maple run business called Red Raven with her friend Cheryl Brossom, who literally does not show up at all this episode. Surprised to not see her, even for a second. Yeah, I think they were in the background of a shot, maybe? 
but I'm not one hundred percent sure. Yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah, um, uh, I, but anyway, well, she we, she started this rum business. Uh, she is doing it to stick it to her father, Hiram Lodge, who has some sort of neuromuscular disorder that is slowly wearing away at him. Uh, she is very scared about it, upset about it that he is potentially going to die. Um, also scared and upset about it, though found out about it first is her half-sister, Hermosa Lodge, who most of the time lives in Florida, but seems to be spending a lot of time here in Riverdale. And I think that's kind of... Uh, we'll touch on a oh, lot Betty. of other things as we get through it. Gotta but that's the Betty. main things you need to know for the recap. What were you saying, Justin? You gotta cover Betty's, Charles... Oh, right, Betty. Right, yeah, that's Remember kind her? of important. <laughs> right. Does, is there anything you need to know about Betty's continuity going into this episode? Well, yeah. back in season one, she electrocuted a dude named Chuck Clayton in a hot she, tub. She tried because, to drown him, almost. Yeah, because he was uh, sexually assaulting people uh, throughout mm-hmm. the school. He was keeping a list of it. He was keeping a book of it. Uh, she put on her dark Betty wig for the first time, went a little out of control. You might remember it from the... Classic, uh, barely out of control. She was barely out of control. She was out of control. Stop making excuses for her. She uh, tried to electrocute Chuck in a hot tub. The only thing that was in control about that was Ethel doing the hilarious look in the door, look out of the door moment from that episode. Uh, But clearly Veronica has been holding on to that memory for a while because we loop back to that this episode. Uh, Also, Betty, as we mentioned, had this trigger word implanted. Uh, It was originally tangerine, tangerine, tangerine that would cause her to attack her dark Betty personality. Uh, As we mentioned, Evelyn suggested to Donna, or maybe not, that there was another trigger word that sent her in a fugue state that would make her attack people she loved. She also had a half-brother named Charles, who uh, Charles is in the FBI. As far as Betty knows, he is on the up and up. However, we have seen as viewers that Charles is working with Chick, a character who, as we know, is the true hero. True of hero. Stop. True hero. Stop. True hero. Don't put your bullshit in the recap. And I got in trouble for this before. You can't just bullshit put bullshit in the, in the recap. recap. You wanted to. I don't even remember what you wanted to talk about. That was like 10 minutes ago, Pete. But you put some bullshit in the recap. No. Uh, facts are the only thing that belong in the recap. Don't you put your bullshit with Chick. Pete, if you recap. Google Chick. He comes up as the true hero of Riverdale. It's not. A, it's just part of the show. It's yeah. a recap. It's not part of the show. And I'll tell Stop you what. Stop pushing your uh, agenda. Google, Google is our Patreon Slack, so that's the main place you should put that in. Just see what happens. <laughs> Don't solo got our him. Slack members. Yeah, uh, got him. Nailed it. Uh, so, yeah, Charles Smith is the son of F.P. Jones, who is Jughead's dad, and Alice Smith, who is uh, Betty's mom. Uh, they didn't know about him for years. He is now back in Riverdale and helping out Betty and just whatever she needs. Right. Yes. So that's the main things. That's the big things. Uh, I'll also mention before we actually get into the episode proper, because uh, we did put this up a day later, we got a ton of of questions and comments and theories from you all on both Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for sending them in. Uh, We're going to go through the recap of the episode, and then at the end we will get to all of that. So hang on tight if you're waiting for that commentary. Justin, you seem to be drinking some sort of old-fashioned or something like that. Uh, It's a Boulevardier, and it's the perfect accompaniment to a recap and analysis of Riverdale. I am drinking a uh, limited edition uh, Sierra Nevada... Sierra Nevada? Yeah, sure. A 40 Hoppy Anniversary Ale. Wow. Which 
also is uh, all about history, which is that's that's getting me in the right mood. That's good, uh, Pete. Uh, oh wow! I, for a second, I, I had a lot of uh, credit for you because I thought you said you were drinking a forty. You're just drinking a beer. Um, I'm drinking out of my Comba Club mug. <laughs> That has Mountain Dew in it. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Whatever what? criticism you just had of me, you just shot yourself in the foot, my friend. Three Whatever. different drinks, three different people. Uh, you're going gonna to log off and play Skyrim after this, or what are you doing? Wow. Weird. Let me just say, Alex, weird slam. Yeah, weird slam. Weird slam. <laughs> Particularly here on Pokemon Day. Uh, I don't know what you're talking what? about. Let's dive into this episode. So we start in this the, the scene, as Alex said, much anticipated. The fire scene. They're burning their clothes. Stakes are high. Spring Everyone's break. Sta- staring into and the fire. I, th- I think the important thing to mention here, which is, let's just get this out of the way up front. Still, one of the biggest clues that Jughead is not dead, despite what they're showing us, is the fact that he's still narrating the show. Yes, and, and his narration is weird. It's g- goofy a little bit. And I know it's his narration is very melodramatic at all times, but there's like there are jokes in this a little bit. You know how I mean? how yeah. do you mean? Like about burning the iconic beanie? Yeah, yeah like yeah. he's he's being uh, self-effacing and sort of like uh, he's being odd about. Usually he's pretty he's being melodramatic, but he's describing actual action. And now he's like building up these himself, essentially. And so to me, it, it definitely uh, and it pushes the theory that Jughead, this is a story that Jughead is writing. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about that one later. I'm I, I feel like I'm off that theory entirely, but there's definitely something weird in the narration. And yeah, I do think that I is think the, he's just having some fun with this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I, I don't know. I don't His know narration why. has always been goofy. He's every single time that they're like, "Oh, Jughead is a great writer." I'm like, uh, "I don't know if you guys have watched Riverdale at all." Oh, yeah. Come on, man. No, I love I think Riverdale. The I'm only one watching, Baxter books have you written? The only one watching Riverdale is Five. Kevin. The only one on the sh- character on the show is watching Riverdale is Kevin because he knows right when to show up <laughs> and then quickly leave. <laughs> oh, my God. Kevin's scene was so funny. We'll, so funny. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, let's get there. So, yeah, I do think Jughead's narration is a little odd, and I think it plays into what we'll theorize at the end. But then um, we see a nice triptych of each of the kids uh, of our main sort of Riverdale 3 arriving home uh, where all of the parents are oddly up. Uh, yeah, Austin. and uh, not to jump back to it though, but just for the sake of continuity, when we originally saw this bonfire scene, there were at the end of season three, there was a little bit extra to it. Uh, they burned the clothes. They said, "We're never going to talk about this again. We'll get through this, and then we're done with senior year. We're finished." So, I think a lot of what was happening this episode, and I've seen fans responding to. Things seem to come out. They seem to be skipping over things. I think at least part of that is they don't need to provide the information again. We've already seen it. Uh, Same as a lot of the emotional things that I'm sure we'll get into this episode. The sense that I got from this episode is they already laid the groundwork over the course of 13 plus episodes. There are things that they don't need to repeat. Well, I would also argue from just a pure production standpoint, they shot this opening sequence at the fire as part of season three, 
and when because the stuff they said about senior year and spring break like that does, doesn't really play into the story that they actually no, told this season all. so uh like yeah. we have to just finish this up and never talk about it again i mean all they do in this episode is talk about it so i think that was part of the season three like oh this is what season four is going to be about and then after that they went and wrote all of season four and now we're here and it's in a right. slightly different place so that's different. why i think this scene is just sort of touched upon and we don't have mm-hmm. that dialogue again because it doesn't quite match the tone of what's yeah i don't think it doesn't <laughs> this is gonna be a double negative but i don't think it does not fit you know it's yeah no. it's still Ooh, fine but uh but yes to your point clearly they fleshed it out more clearly they figured out this mystery more certainly going into the season um i know for a fact that they were considering several options how the mystery would go so at this point they're definitely settled on things and moving forward from there and just from a way of like sort of that writing challenge i love the fact that they're like okay let's drop this wild scene of jughead being dead and them burning their clothes and then we'll find a way to get to it in a way that is exciting, mysterious, and great for all of our characters. And, like, that's amazing. And they've, they've done it. Uh, I, I will say the there's one thing we will talk about this episode. I've never, I've never seen any confirmation of this. But there was an offhand comment that Cole Sprouse made uh, in some interview. I think it was a San Diego Comic-Con interview where he said, oh, I was just cold. I didn't want to do that scene at the end of season three. So that's kind of grown into this thing with the fandom where they're like, the whole reason for this Jughead is dead mystery is because Cole Sprouse was cold one night. I don't, uh, that doesn't seem true to me. No, that's not true. That's him being. <laughs> I think he was making a joke. For sure. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they, we see them, uh, move out of the, the fire scene as we've seen, they arrive home, Veronica comes in, uh, the lodges are having a lovely glass of late night glass of wine. Uh, she has her excuse of a game of strip poker that she lost because Veronica graded excuses. Yeah. Yep. Well, they're all graded excuses. What was nope. Archie's that he was nope. skinny dipping? Archie is not great at excuses. Oh, you were legitimately saying Veronica was good at excuses. I liked, I thought her excuse was good. I what th- I thought Archie's was better. You no. get your clothes back at the end of strip poker. No. It's not like you own them permanently. You That's get your true. clothes back at the end of skinny dip. You get your clothes back always. <laughs> no, but Archie's <laughs> made the most sense because when you go skinny dipping, your clothes are out for the taking. So somebody out for the taking. Steal no them. one's shopping at a skinny yeah. dipping party. I would have loved it if Archie came in and Mary was like, "Why aren't you wearing your clothes, Archie?" He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. We uh, killed Jughead and uh, burnt all of our clothes." <laughs> To me, Sorry, that's what he I mean, said. I don't know, skinny dipping. I feel like what he should have said is like, oh, I'm sorry, my shirt's off most of this television show, so <laughs> I don't know why you think this is weird, Mom. It is, literally, he could have said, I was out taking a run, because yeah. like that's <laughs> how he runs all the time. My shirt stopped fitting me tonight, Mom. I don't know. <laughs> I'm than usual. Uh, but yeah, the, the main point is like this is emphasizing what Jughead says in the narration that they were clearly so traumatized, but so frozen by whatever happened that they just didn't talk about it on the way home. They did get their stories straight and they need to re-straighten them the next morning. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Betty said a toga party, which was the worst of all three. Oh, really? I thought Betty's was the best, except for the fact yeah. that she was like, the wine, the bloodstain is wine, and that I hate the smell of wine, so I took my clothes off when right. they all drank. Why is that the, the best time. one? Because, it was the best excuse, but yeah. somebody else would have given her clothes again. Like, they would not be like, well, see you later. 
this all of these sequences though I thought were really well acted, especially the fact that they had mm-hmm. to all act in their underwear. Obviously KJ Apa is used to it, but um Betty and Veronica definitely had to um be like, Oh, I have to run around, be traumatized also in my underwear in front of a set of uh, a whole film crew. Um and uh, especially Betty overall, Oh go ahead. Uh, I was saying, especially Betty, when she goes upstairs and has her sort of finally, she's alone, freak out moment about Jughead dying. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, the good voiceover of like some people can handle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved as a whole a lot of the acting in this episode. I love the direction and the pacing. Direction um, was great in this episode. And the sound design was really good. There were points where they layered in the music and there were a lot of points where they just let it fall out and let the silence sit. And that just made the whole thing more tense. I mean, you mentioned the scene with Betty in the room when she goes upstairs and there's this shot where it looks like it's going through the mirror. Yeah. It was so nice. Uh, the guy's yeah. name well, is, I think it's James DeWill is the director and he, he's directed a bunch of episodes. He did a real good job on this one. I thought the moment before that, when uh, Betty's mom says Jughead's name and then like she starts to like well up in her eyes, like she's about to start mm-hmm. crying. Like I thought that was yeah. an amazing moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, everybody was very good at this episode. Lily Reinhardt, as always was ridiculous. Like Molly just, Ringwald was great too. Molly Ringwald was great too for a different reason, but Lily Reinhardt, like you mentioned, there's everything is in her eyes. She has so much control over her tear ducts yeah. in particular, where you can see like her eyes getting bigger and kind of welling up. No tears falling out. It's almost like as she pulls herself together, the tears get sucked back into her eyes. It's kind of amazing. Very good. Yeah. Uh, There's an interesting moment of narration here, I think, uh, by Jughead, where he says, all signs point to her um, having committed the the murder. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that was another odd thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Across... Across the board, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this a lot, uh, but I've watched this episode twice now, and the first time was sort of like purely watching it, expecting the the curtain to be pulled back at some point, particularly by the end of the episode. I was like, all right, this is the point when Jughead sits down with him at Pops and it never happened. So I wasn't totally paying attention to all of the dialogue and all the scenes. But the second time through, knowing that that does not happen and they're continuing the mystery, I was trying to watch it a little closer. And I think uh, the script was written by Arabella Anderson, who's written a bunch of scripts. She's been on the show for a while. And she... Crafted almost every line, particularly when it's the core three now all alone by themselves, where it could go either way. Yes. And that's uh, I understand at a certain level frustrating, but I also think it's very smart. Because yeah. I came out of this episode being like, I have no fucking clue. I don't, I don't know. I honestly yeah. do not know how, what is going to happen in the long run. How many episodes do we have left? 1,000. There are yeah. 1,000. <laughs> In the season? Yeah. It's the yeah, they longest had a big season order. of They had a 1,008 <laughs> episode order. <laughs> this is the 14th episode. There's 22 of the season total. Um, okay. I, I think, why don't we just remind me about it at the end. We can... In case people don't want like major spoilers for what's coming up, I can layer in what's happening for episodes as we know them as it's coming up. But, yeah, that's a great know, idea. Let's talk through the uh, rest of the show now. But so, uh, to, I mean, just to point to what you're talking about, we get this meeting at Pops that Betty is leading. Yeah. And they're all uh, very chill 
for the dealing with the fact that their best friend and in Betty's case, boyfriend died. Um, mm-hmm. They're only concerned about the the plot and sort of getting back specifically at Stonewall, the people from Stonewall Prep. I think that's kind of the thing a little bit is it seems to me is like because there's a mystery to solve because they don't, you know, uh, yes, they all believe Jughead's Ted, but they're really focusing the kind of mystery that getting to the bottom of this is what's keeping them focused and not completely falling apart like we almost saw Betty do. But it's weird because there was no throughout the entire episode, specifically Betty, you didn't have any outside of that one scene we talked about with her in a room. Which could have been about like, oh my god, we pulled it off. You don't get any sort of emotional outpouring like Jughead, mm-hmm. the person I love, has died, and that to me is very odd because I, of the mystery. I I kind of agree with Pete here. I felt it a little more with Archie, if anything, yeah. because Archie is all surface. He's all heart. That's all he does. The fact that he didn't break at any point was the thing that tips me a little more on the side of, okay, they're all laid out and they're all figuring out some sort of plan. But if you just look at it on a very surface level, first of all, I can totally buy Betty completely holding herself together because that's all she's done over the course of four seasons at this point. The most insane over-the-top things have happened to her and giving her a task to focus on, on... Again, if you just if you believe that Jughead is really murdered or Jughead is alive, something is going on, but they don't know about it. The way that she plays it, I think, still works because Betty is focusing on this task. She's driving forward to the point of almost mania that is making her cold. Um, I think you could see it the other way where it is. She's being calculated. She's putting it together. But I tend to read it more on the end that I just described that. I still think I still think to me the most satisfying and shocking thing is they don't know what Jughead is doing, uh, and Betty read okay in that case to me. And I think also like across the board, because they're cutting around in time, we don't get to see that moment when maybe they were sobbing over his body, you know, and hiding his body. They skipped forward in that and instead are on the task part of things, which frankly is more interesting to see. Definitely. But I do think if this were a, you know, a story telling the murder about the murder of a friend and boyfriend, you would want to you would see some of that sadness. You would see some of that. Mm -hmm. I think what it points to is like someone to me from this episode, someone scamming someone. And is it that the. Are Riverdale three are scamming the Stonewall prep people or the Stonewall prep people scamming the Riverdale people or both? Yeah. And then I have another theory later. I have another theory later that I think is what I actually think. Ooh, I definitely want to hear that. What was that? A fucking tease? It's a tease. Well, it's not. We're not there yet. Jesus H. We got so many theories. There's so many things. If you're going to say something, say something. Don't fucking tease it. Okay, yeah. tease. That's Can what a tease did. You just got teased, uh, Pete. You got teased. Not to jump ahead, but is your theory? This is a. You can't a TV then talk sh- about theories now. We're all night halfway through this. I think shit. this is. I think this is Justin's theory. Justin's theory is this is a, a TV show for babies, and you should fucking grow up and live your life. Yes, my theory what? is that we're gonna find out slowly over the next few episodes what happened. <laughs> that is. I, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> Pretty smart, right? <laughs> Let's move the good. fuck on. All we have to do, guys, 
I know it sounds crazy. All we have to do is keep watching, and we're going to mm. ne- learn the answers. No, I'm turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, good. I feel satisfied after this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Mm, what a good meal we had. Jughead's <laughs> dead. Uh, so let's... Yes. Uh, one thing I want to point out, Betty's wearing this weird shirt through this episode with like a dog collar uh, collar. I think she's on worn her that before. What, what? I just found it odd. It, the studs on it gave her a uh, more of an aggressive look, which mm-hmm. I think f- fit with w- the way she was acting in this episode. She was all fight, all like, I got to do the next thing. Right. And I just thought that was an interesting... Uh, matching of the wardrobe to what she was doing. Because she usually wears like sort of more uh, reserved sort of uh, girl next door Mm -hmm. cute sweater sets and whatnot. And And this was was, more aggressive. Well, it was also, it was weird because a lot of her dialogue was... Yes. Okay. Oh, you get it? You get what my dog barking is, Pete? Pete, you don't like this? (laughs) Let's fucking move on. Don't be so angry. <laughs> this is fun, if you remember. Uh, then we have the great Kevin scene where Archie's like, Kevin, get out of here. Get we murdered here. someone. And Betty's like, well, it's, Archie. The way that it works out, like Kevin coming over and be like, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And Archie's like, get out of here. Kevin, he's like, well, see you later. And then yeah. Betty's like, what are you doing, Archie? Hey, Kevin, come over. He's like, well, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're like, what's t- up? And they're like, nothing, just goofing around. What's up with the musical? And he's like, the musical is happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hedwig and the Angry Poor. Inch. We're going to be doing it in three episodes time. I can't explain how we're doing it because uh, that would make it confusing right now. I'll explain later. I'm calling Poor it Kevin Hedwig Man. and the Angry Jughead reveal. Jughead is a live <laughs> reveal. Oh, my God. Uh, poor Kevin. I want to see so much more of Kevin. Um, yep. So then we get into uh, this run of um, Archie at home. Uh, Wakes up, um, or he's there. He walks in, and Mary's there with uh, Brooke, who we mentioned before. Oh yeah. Um, and they talk about how like Archie tried to be a boxer there. Maybe he can still work it out. And Mary's sort of pushing him to join the Navy. Yes, right. And I will just mention because we are getting up to the reveal with Mary pretty soon, but. The entire continuity of that, like we've already talked about, she has all of these female friends from Sarah Florence College that she keeps bringing by very suspiciously. Uh, and we were like, yeah, all right, they're just all friends of yours. This time she was up at 3 a.m. and she's like, oh, just couldn't sleep. Oh, my friend Brooke is here the next morning for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And I was when I was watching that, I was like, oh, come on, just pull it. Just say so. Like, just you're clearly just get to it. You're clearly hinting to it. And yet when they finally got to it, I could not believe they actually did it. And like literally yelled out loud. It was great. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, well, let's just talk about it now. It's a couple scenes yeah, sure. later. Well, I do want to say the end of that first scene with Mary, Archie's like, I'm going to go for a run. You can run away from your problems, right? Right, Mom? I can just <laughs> run away from all this, right? Yeah. Which I thought if was I funny. run, it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but, and that's kind of exactly what Archie's being handed. He's just like, hey, do you want to run away from all this and join the Navy? Yeah. Um, but so the, to talk about the scene from later, um, Mary tells Archie that Brooke is her girlfriend. Um, and Archie's like, whoa, that's crazy. I have to go talk to Betty now because he <laughs> truly Archie in this episode has too much going on. Well, uh, Betty walks in right at that point, or does he go and talk to Betty? Uh, yeah, I, she, I think she does watch walk in. She or walks maybe in. She walks in, call. and then the phone call happens later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but 
I love that reveal. Like, I love the way that they played it. I love the way that Archie played it. Molly Ringwald played it so cutely, revealing that Brooke was her girlfriend. And the way that they laid it out just with the continuity, I thought was kind of sweet. Um, You know, it wasn't necessarily firmed down, but the fact that, like, it seems like she and Fred broke up on amicable terms, she moved to Chicago, and at some point after that, she and Brooke got together, and it was just this surprising thing she did not expect. Uh, but great, and Archie is so accepting of it, and nice, and thinks it's kind of funny that his mom is kind of nervous, uh, up until Betty interrupts. But I, I was very, very happy with that reveal. Yeah, there's sort of a, a three-part uh, Archie-Mary relationship thing in this episode, and I thought they've done a nice job of letting Mary come in and be uh, fill the gap that Fred uh, has left uh, mm-hmm. by dying. And I think um, Archie isn't as open with her as he is with Fred until maybe later in the episode as we sort of we'll let's see. just talk about the whole mom thing now. I mean, we're already kind of talking about it. Well, I do think that's tied with some other. Well, things yeah, that but the, in the episode, but I, but I just want to say the part where like, uh, things are kind of crazy, and she's like, Archie, you can talk to me, you know, like open up to me, was very sweet. And then the first mm-hmm. thing she thought of, of, like, what's going on, it was like, is it because I have a girlfriend, you know? And I like the honest kind of, like, thing. Yeah. And I think that, like, moving forward, that relationship's going to be a lot more, which is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, but jumping over to, like, this episode, I feel like we just have to talk about it in order. It's so yes. intertwined. Yes. Um, uh, we have a, a Hiram is changing his will. Veronica's not happy. Um, Hermos mm-hmm. is there. Um, a lot of this episode in the Lodge family is about just coming to terms with all the things that we know about them. So uh, one thing I did not realize, Veronica seems pissed off that they're not talking about Hiram's neuromuscular disorder right at now. all. I didn't realize they weren't talking about it. That was not clear to oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah they like, clearly I thought weren't they all kind of it. knew about it and were talking about it. So for him to be like, I'm doing my will for no reason, uh, sort of came out of nowhere for me. It was. No. I agree, because I, I think Veronica has talked about it with Hermosa already, and I think her mom already, and Hiram already. Yeah. It's just they haven't all sat down as a family and sure. dealt with it. Yeah. Uh, I did yeah. like the way he was kind of like upset, like, oh, I don't want to have to explain myself. This is something that people do. I kind of liked that moment. I thought the frustration on that part was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I I get that Veronica is upset and not dealing with this. And I think the way that they played it, which makes logical sense, is Veronica is freaking out about what's going on with Jughead and what they had to do. And that is coming out in the wrong way at Hiram more than anything. Yeah. Is what I read out of it. Um, Like Archie is reacting by not reacting. Like normally as Betty calls out later in the episode, he'd be just like fists a blazing running into every thing. Instead, he's shutting down and pulling away and not doing anything. Veronica, on the other hand, is taking her frustration with the situation out on Betty and Hiram and other people. And Betty is just focusing on a case. That's what she has going on. So they're all like, they have this thing, this that is weighing over them. It's forcing them to do things that I think in a smart way are out of character. 
Yeah, I agree. They are everyone. I, we talked about this in the last episode too. Everyone is behaving a little bit out of character, and it feels purposeful as opposed to um, an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am surprised how much the our core three has uh, been splintered here. Because if this was a plan that they had constructed to fake Jughead's death, then when they're by themselves, I don't think they'd be arguing with each other the way that they yeah. are. I, I have a little thought about that, but much to P's frustration, I'll save it until later. Uh, great. Well, let's keep going then. Um, uh, Betty calls FP and reads a pre-written message. I love how this was shot. This is clearly so a, pl- yeah, very well done. It's a, clearly a plan that they've worked out. It's revealed that Charles is the one that's working with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we should I, also mention, actually, uh, because we kind of skipped over this, uh, at some point, the night of the bonfire, they called Charles before yes. they got home. And clearly, though they don't explicitly state this, it seems like he was the one who probably told them to burn their clothes. Like, I don't think they got slathered in blood on their clothes or anything like that while they were hiding Jughead's body or whatever they were doing. Uh, but he clearly was the one who was like, get rid of any evidence. Don't even take yeah. chances. Burn all your clothes. Here's the next thing you need to do. And it's interesting yeah. because I think Betty does trust Charles on some level, but he also is works for the FBI. So it's weird that yeah. they would be like, let's call the not just I the cops, don't but buy the this super FBI cops. thing. I buy the FBI thing. I do think there's a very telling thing that happens later on when Charles is in FP's office at the sheriff's office. And Mm -hmm. before FP comes in, there's a very quick shot. And I don't even think Wyatt Nash plays it in this way, but uh, Wyatt Nash, who plays Charles. But Charles is looking at the pictures that FP has in his office, and the pictures are uh, Alice with Betty, Jellybean, and Jughead. And that's yeah. it. And there's yeah. just the shot of like those pictures. He's looking at it. He has a very like blank expression on his face. And then FP comes in and they come in with the rest of the scene. And I do feel like there's a very small indicator there that as He's usual, mad. like, yeah, his motivation seems to be based on everything that happened with chick previously. He wants to get in with this family. And oh, that yeah. makes oh. me the fact that they're relying on him so hard for all of this certainly raises my eyebrows a bit about his participation. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think he also, is getting, he's getting in with the family for a very particular reason. Also, what FBI agent also knows hypnosis and how to get into somebody's brain and then retrieve information? Let, yes. let me throw this out to you. A FBI agent who is on the TV show Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or an FBI agent who isn't an FBI agent. He's just some creepy dude. I, mean, I think the, there are he could be creepy and in the FBI. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm happy to be wrong about this, but the, that is one of those things where I'm like, I mean, it's Riverdale. There was a cult that stole organs and also floating hypnotized babies. people and also floating babies. And also uh, they built a rocket at one point. So, you know, you just kind of roll with it. <laughs> now, I think his use of the metronome in this episode is very specific and pointed and telling for, I think, what we're going to see later in this season. But let's he's keep a, driving forward. He's a musician. Um, he's a yes, musician. he's a great no, he concert pianist. Cult. He's the great Salieri. Uh, so Betty goes to Stonewall um, and uh, encounters Donna and Brett. She's, it feels like she walks in with like, I got you guys. And Donna and Brett immediately gaslight Betty with a totally <laughs> false story about how the night went. And Betty pushes back, but 
they are strong in this scene. I yeah. love Donna and Brett in this episode, just as villains, like the fact that it feels like the shackles are thrown off of them at this point, and they could just be the smug assholes that they've wanted to be the entire time. Yeah. Great. Like that, I mean, that to me also having, uh, we're going to get to this in the moment, but also Evelyn being in the episode that really underscored for me how in season three, we had Kurtz as this foil to Jughead. We had Evelyn as this foil to Betty. And it was just very clearly everybody having their own enemies, setting it up as Donna as Betty's enemy and Brett as Jughead's enemy, even with him dead. Like to me, I was like, oh, okay, this episode, this is the one where it, it crisped crisped in for me. Yeah, I, th- I do think they've made Donna, um, even in the way she looks and her uh, hair and makeup is like a little mm-hmm. more like pulled back. She's a little more like the villain, I feel like. Yeah, and and Sarah Desjardins, the actress who's playing her, I think also is having a blast portraying her at this point. Clearly, like, she's been tweeting about it and having a good time and everything, and it, it's fun to see her just, like, amp that up. And uh, Sean Deppner, who we love from Deadly Class as well, he yeah. is, he's reveling at being the asshole, but it's interesting also to see the dynamic flip where it's clearly Donna is in charge and Brett is the underling, which I don't think is what we thought up until this episode. I agree with you. Um, now let's talk about just the Do- Donna in general uh, throughout this uh, season, because I know... Uh, um, there's been uh, some controversy and a little bit of talk about how the the, the show's handled her and especially the stuff um, with the sexual assault accusation and how that moved. Uh, they sort of moved past that. And it feels like we sort of gave this show a pass by being like, oh, they're going to talk about it eventually. And they still might. But I do think it's odd that they haven't talked about it since. It's sort of like that was just one little spoke on the wheel. And now we've moved on to other uh, plot points. Um, so I, I'm surprised by that. I hope they still deal with it, but I, I think they've made a mistake by not covering that. Yeah, because it was, it started off by Betty saying to Donna, you are a liar, which is continuing this awful trope of not believing somebody who was sexually assaulted. And you know, that they're using in this episode, like, what's the trigger word? What's the trigger word? But that part was very triggering for some people. So it sucks that they're continuing this kind of negative thing about not believing women. So it, that was rough. And the fact that they are, though, making Donna clearly a villain. So, like, that's kind of like revealing what's going on. And, and uh, Well, I mean, in this episode, they're calling her a liar in terms of uh, her saying that uh, Betty killed Jughead. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so it's, I think that's not uh, slightly uh, sure, but it, it's the, I understand what you're talking about. That applies to previous episodes. That doesn't apply to this episode. Uh, the other thing that I would well, say it does to what apply to this episode, because Betty straight up calls Donna a liar. You right. Know? She calls her a liar for saying that she killed Jughead, which right. she did not do. Right. Sure. Yeah. So well, yeah, I think uh, I think we're talking about two separate things. Yes, you are. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Right, this is exactly what I'm saying, is that, like, sure, there's a greater issue. I think, to your point, Justin, they still do have time to address that and talk about that, because we still have no idea what's going on 
with Stonewall or the Baxter Brothers books. DuPont, who is their teacher, who clearly seems to be behind things, doesn't show up in this episode at all. This is all about setting up Brett and Donna as the Stonewallies and as Joan as well, who briefly shows up, doesn't say too much. Jonathan, who's off screen, I guess, but we'll throw him in there. Pitting the four of them against our Riverdale three in this game that they need to figure out that is just getting amped up to insane proportions. And that's what we're getting here in this episode. So, um, yeah, I still think like, let's reserve judgment until we see the end of the storyline. Right. But I also really, what they did in this uh, scene was very interesting because it was like, they both had their truths and were like, no, 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 no. You were in the woods with Jughead. No, no, no. You were in the woods with Jughead. And it was like a, right. a really interesting back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about that, though, is like Brett and Donna are clearly lying. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Betty doesn't know the whole truth. And a lot of her motivator for this episode is she does have missing time, which eventually she does reveal to Archie and Veronica. And I think we reach a resolution with that pretty clearly. Uh, but for Donna and Brett, like this positions them as exactly what everybody thought out of the sacred history, out of rules of attraction, Brett Easton Ellis novels, etc. They're just rich, smug assholes who think they're playing a game. And ultimately, We'll talk about the final scene later, uh, but ultimately what Betty is like, no, you're not fucking playing a game. You're going to die. And that's yeah. the thing that really brings it home for them is it, it's all game pieces. It's all fun for them until suddenly it's not. Yeah. But I also think Betty is playing a game with them like her. Most of what's driving her this episode is playing, trying to beat them at their game by inviting right. them into her game. Uh, which I think is interesting because she's not winning on her terms. She's sort of becoming a villain in that way. What games do you think they're playing? Because I feel like the Stonewallies are definitely playing chess. Maybe Betty's playing like shoots and ladders or something like that. Candyland, perhaps. Well, but I guess what I'm saying is like if Betty's saying like, hey, we can't lose. Uh, we can't lose this game. And I'm willing to spend the night moving the body of the man that I love who died for the sake of winning this game, that's a weird look for her. So then we pick up where we have uh, Joan shoulders Betty. Um, who, I, when this first scene happened, I was like, whoa, who's playing who in that scene? Uh, who was bodying up on the other one? Mm-hmm. But we learned and, later that uh, Joan was dropping a cell phone into Betty's pocket. Yes. And uh, Jughead's cell phone, which was missing that night yeah. that they didn't find. Uh, we jump over to Archie and Veronica, who are drinking straight rum in a basement, um, like yep, their classic yeah. teen uh, murderers. Um, and Veronica, I mean, this she's, was starting like... to, she's starting to doubt Betty. And we get yeah. the Chuck callback that we talked about earlier. And Which I is, do think, like, there's something, there is something a little weird about the fact that they spent so much time on, ooh, Veronica is drinking too much. She's going wild because of... Hiram's uh, sickness. She's really got to dial it back. This she's like, glug, 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 which, mind you, she needs a drink or two. But at the same time, it sort of feels like, I don't know, maybe don't drink Veronica. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, I can understand that maybe. But like, um, they're they're talking and they're at a bar. So they're probably, you know, having a drink just like Justin has his fancy drinks. Uh, But I... What was yeah, like interesting you have that Mountain Dew. You're clearly drinking some uh, artisanal Mountain Dew. 
I think that like what's weird is Veronica questioning Betty like that. That was very hurtful that her close friend where she was like, hey, maybe it was Betty. Maybe Betty uh, killed Jughead. Now, that, I was like, come on. To me, Veronica's the voice of reason. She's the voice of reason she in this is. episode. She's like, she hey, is. it's weird that she was there. And Archie's like, no, she was just holding the rock over our f- dead friend. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why would you think that your friend killed Jughead? That just it was hurtful to me. Like, if I murder somebody, you guys would not, be- right? You would back me up on that. I accuse you of murders all the time. <laughs> Almost constantly. Also, Archie was the person that accused her of murder last episode. He was like, Betty, yeah. what did you do? I know. <laughs> that was his really, first reaction. It was very upsetting how, you know. I don't know. It's the reasonable thing to think versus she got devil's breath. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> sometimes you get dusted. I mean, that was. Yeah, that's true. Hey, sometimes you get dusted. Things happen. You kill somebody like just, I did within the last you, 24 you, hours. Do you trust your friend? Do you love your friend or don't you? You know, that was bullshit. I was upset. But, by uh, but again, I want to get back to like, I think what's happening with Veronica here is that she is spinning out of control for a variety of reasons. And she's lashing out at people at the same time, though, at least questioning what was going on with Betty is a fair thing to do when you are alone, drunk in a basement with your boyfriend. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the fact that Archie's just like, I don't know, Veronica. I don't have enough evidence yet. Yeah, I got to go for a run. I'm good. Yeah. Yes, I can run away from you. Are you sticking up your finger? Uh, So, uh, moving forward, uh, Betty. uh, I'm just frustrated at how quickly you guys would turn on people. That's what I'm kind of. On a dime. On a dime, man. uh, uh, That's fucking. In a New York minute. Uh, moving forward, we have uh, Betty and Evelyn uh, having a little scene together. Betty confesses to Evelyn what happened to her to try to get some insight on the what Evelyn has done to her. Um, and this is a love fun scene. Seeing, Evelyn, I love gracious. seeing Evelyn back. So happy yeah. to see Evelyn back. It's like I was saying earlier, I think like Lily Reinhardt and Zoe DeGrad Mason play off of each other so well and just rile each other up so well, even though they're on opposite sides of the glass. And I don't think in a shot together at any point, it's great. I love the yeah. way this was shot because like it started before the commercial break, like uh, just on Evelyn's face. And then when we came back from the commercial break, it was just on Betty. It was really cool. The way that was kind of uh, uh, put out there. I really thought that was creative. And I just want to check, we're 50-plus uh, minutes into this podcast, and we've made it up to the Riverdale logo at this point, right? Yeah, uh, maybe cool. just past it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and the, so the idea here is that Evelyn, Brett, and Donna are working together. Right. Yes. Right. Well, um, except not, as we find out later. Like, yeah. Donna has clearly gone to Evelyn, but as we find out towards the end of the episode, it seems like Evelyn talked to Donna, but Donna may not have really found out too much yeah. to use. Like, that, that, like, like Betty calls out, it's a misdirect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then she goes back to Charles um, and uh, she hides the info about where she was from Charles, which I think is interesting because she told Charles that she killed Jughead earlier, that Jughead was dead mm-hmm. and they were hiding the body. Um, why does she hide info from Charles here about visiting Evelyn? Uh, I don't know. That I, was I, odd I, to me. Yes, Pete, you can just talk on this podcast. It's fine. So you don't because have to it was hand. like you don't 
You don't trust a creepy dude who can, like, know about hypnotizing people and stuff like that. That's why. But she trusts him in every other part of the episode except for this one moment where she doesn't want to tell him she went to Evelyn. It might be just be embarrassment. It might yep. be, you know, going to a villain and talking to a villain, somebody that like he she used was, to do her dad. Yeah. Uh, that she doesn't want to admit that she's going to somebody else who she shouldn't trust for help. That might be part of it. Yep. Yeah. Um, hard to say. Uh, next up, we have Betty who goes to Archie and is like, "Hey, real quick, um, I need you to go beat the shit out of Brett." <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And yeah. um, Archie does. Uh, Brett has this great line where he's like, "Don't kid yourself, Elmo." Oh yeah. my god, so funny! Uh, the whole scene, Sean Depper was so great. Like the point where he's standing in the hallway and Archie jumps out and he's like, "Brett," and. Yeah. The look on Brett's face when he sees Archie there and tries to run away is so funny and so yeah, he's, good. He's terrible. The whole fight is so one sided. Yeah, it's great. Archie's going to be a professional boxer in the Navy, so he's got the skills. Yeah. Um, and again, all, it was great all the to characters... see Brett. It was great to see Brett get beaten up a little bit here. It was very nice. Yeah. Well, it, I think also part of it, like, this is the section where. Betty is trying to shake them up a little bit. Obviously, it doesn't work because we get them, quote unquote, confessing to stuff, except not really at all in the room afterwards and reveal they know that Betty left a bug there. It's a very clear flashing bug, very similar to the bug, the camera that Brett left in the box, not boxing glove, uh, the baseball bag. Baseball glove. Yeah. Baseball in order man. to catch uh, sex. Very times. different. Yeah. Sorry. Two Sexy different time. types of sports gloves. Uh, right? Moving forward, yeah. we get uh, Mary confronting Archie about random fist fights. Um, uh, Betty, real creepy, uh, calling from uh, calling Archie from across the way, being like, "Don't you talk to your mom about this?" This was. I don't want to uh, low point is probably the wrong thing to say, but like definitely for Betty, the creepiest point of the episode yes. and such a, I mean, the thing that I immediately thought of was the classic season one thing where like, uh, the boy looked away across the way at the girl as if he had seen her for the first time line. Yeah. Uh, and instead this is Archie looking across at being, I think legitimately scared of Betty and what she's capable of. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's what we see in the scene later when he closes his, uh, sheer curtains <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and said, and we don't see the full scene, but we think that he confesses to his mom, whatever has been going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the phone call was rough. Betty was being a little mean, but, you know, she's stressed out. She's got an agenda. Things got to happen fast. You know, sometimes, you know, after your loved one gets murdered, you can get mm-hmm. away with a couple of phone calls like this. You know? Well, well also, defending I mean, Betty. If, you, if you have a plan, you got to know Archie is the weak point. <laughs> like, yes. That's why she's being so stern with him, because she's like, listen, weak link, get your shit together. Get out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, weird, weird moment for Betty again, Betty suspect this whole episode. 
Uh, we get a scene. No way, man. We get FP and Alice. Uh, the phone is pinging, which they use some technology, uh, technological terms here. FP's pissed. <laughs> Alice is calmly on no one's side in this very weird situation. We um, should also mention that FP, the sheriff of Riverdale, who is in charge of all law at Riverdale, has to have his tween daughter, Jellybean, tell him that Find My Phone exists. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, which was, yeah, he's not maybe the most uh, plugged maybe in. Maybe not the best sheriff. Yeah, hey, man, you know, even the toughest cops, uh, you know, they got to, you know, they got to learn from uh, uh, young kids about technology. Sure. It's just weird because uh, he just launched uh, the Riverdale PD on TikTok and they've got a very funny account. So I yeah. feel like he should <laughs> know about the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, got to follow them. Um, Sweet ref, bro. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Betty. In the hot seat, not doing well. Um, uh, Joan, she uh, she's saying that the phone was charged. There's sort of a long, meandering story, bad excuse. Yeah. Um, and Joan, but she, she sells it. She sells it great. I mean, uh, I don't think uh, Alice already is like. I don't believe anything you said when you came home. I don't believe this phone story. Like maybe FP is buying it, but yep. that's uh, all Alice you need to buy. Isn't. There's also the question, which I think to jump ahead, when ultimately they decide to turn the tables on the Stonewallies uh, by revealing where Jughead's body is, Betty is very specific about, like, get FP, only FB, not the FBI or anything like that. Yeah. There's one way you could read that, which is he's the local sheriff. He's going to be the easiest to trick on the stuff, right. but the other side of it is maybe he is on board with whatever this plan is. I think we'll right. find out that he's on board somehow, whatever this scam is. Um, we, yeah, she's uh, trying to keep it on the local turf, you know, where she knows people. Yeah. She doesn't want this to be an X-File. Yeah. Uh, we see have Veronica and Hiram having a heart-to-heart. She wants uh, everyone to get along in her family. Not a lot going on there. Uh, well, and this is this is after she finds out that she's not going to get into Barnard because somebody gave her a bad review uh, after finding out about her liquor business, right? Yeah, yeah and they I blame the Stonewall was, kids. Yeah. I thought it was weird how they immediately thought the Stonewall kids because I was like, what about your evil sister who's been sabotaging you every episode before this? Like, you're not even right. going to think about that? Or your evil father, after you ripped up the will, maybe he's like, you know what? Fuck you. You're out. Right. And just to wrap up Veronica's storyline, ultimately, she decides uh, she goes to Hiram. She says, uh, me and Hermosa are going to split the will. Maybe I'll defer time on Barnard. I don't know. Maybe I won't go there at all. And Hermosa's like, nobody gives up Barnard. Yeah. I'm coming for you. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm sure a couple of people give up Barnard. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, give it a rest. What were you saying, Pete? Give it a rest. You won. You know, you just wanted to get along. You want to be nice. I'm Veronica's helping her out. Hmm. For a second there, I wasn't sure if you were talking to me winning going to Cornell University instead of Ithaca, or if you were talking about Hermosa <laughs> and Veronica. First wow. off, how dare you, sir? you Alex? Don't you got you away. You got away with murder there, and then you went school. back and confessed. <laughs> uh, I'm the daughter sweet of the podcast. Only thing that was so. better is. You're the hot truck. That's all I'll give you. Hot Everything else good. was bullshit over there. And yep. the diploma. But otherwise, uh, the food truck and the education. Uh, right. So 
This sorry, did you want to skip ahead and not talk about program. DP? He had Darrow? to rent his equipment from us. He had to come to my school to get equipment to shoot stuff because his fancy ass place didn't have shit over there. I mean, we uh, had a very Pete, nice theater department. Come at IC, bro. <laughs> we had a very nice theater department. We had a quad. Yeah, Pete, college didn't look like a piece of shit. You didn't have anything over there, right? Pete, you didn't have fucking shit. What? Pete, can We're you save this rant for program. later? Our what? theater program was sick. <laughs> Can you save this rant for later when we tell you the mics are on, but they're actually off? Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, we have this whole thing where a hiker finds the r- bloody rock, um, and uh, Jelly Bean is, shows up in this episode pretty randomly, and then Betty paints a rock with fake blood. Charles comes in, sk- switches the rocks uh, in the scene we talked about um, in the At sheriff's Pops. office. In but, a, but it's an insane scene that they first have in Pops where so her plan is to take a rock with fake blood and convince them, oh, it was just a rock with fake blood that was left in the woods instead of this rock with real blood. And the FBI will figure it out at Quantico very quickly. So they switch it. But Charles is so unsneaky at Pops to an insane degree. It's a very stupid plan. The FBI wouldn't yes. test a rock with fake blood on it. They would look at it and be like, this is fake blood. People know the difference between fake blood and real blood. Right, but her plan is to make them think that it's fake blood, not real blood. But her plan it assumes they will take a minute, to, like a, a week, to test the fake blood, when that is not how it would ever happen. Right, right but she's also just trying to buy herself some time. Every second counts. Yeah. Uh, the whole This whole thing was so... It again, a lot of this episode, it's hard to tell what's happening because of, there's so much mystery. But either Betty is behaving wildly erratically, or this plan is bad. No, it's a great plan. It's working so the, far. I mean, let's just work through it if they actually did call Jughead, right? So Betty hits him on the head with rock. He dies. Archie and Veronica find out about it. They decide... We have to hide the body. We have to cover this up for our friend Betty. They take Jughead's body. They hide Jughead's body. They take the rock. They hide the rock. Potentially, the Stonewallies even take it and hide it even better because for whatever reason, as Donham says later, they want to just make them sweat or hold it over them forever or just have Jughead's really good novel for free or whatever their plan was. Um, So that's how that happens. But on the other end of the spectrum, to your point, Justin, I have no idea how any of this works if that's not what's going on. No, no. Donna explained it. Uh, She kind of had a great villain monologue, looked like a badass. She dusted Jughead because she's trying to prove that she can write the better novel. She was like, how to get away with murder. Wait, Jughead or Betty? Donna. Donna Dusted Jughead or Donna dusted Betty? Dusted Betty. Right. You said Jughead. So I just oh, wanted sorry. to make sure. My bad. I no, it's know. fine. I think somebody also dusted Jughead, but we'll get to that in a moment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get there. So um, Charles uh, uses the metronome on Betty, um, puts her under hypnosis, uh, and we, she has the vision that uh, the revelation that Donna blew this powder into her face. Charles, uh, the, off the top of his head, has the name of the powder, mm-hmm. scapolamine, uh, yeah. which is a neurotransmitter or- blocker. Very odd he had that really queued up right there in the track. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Just some sort of thing. 
called Devil's Breath colloquially. And I'll mention this is actually a real thing. It's not quite as dangerous as you might think it is, uh, but sort of the way that they describe it on the show, it actually works. Like there's, it is one of those urban legend things where it's like you go to a foreign country and they're going to use devil's breath on you and turn you into a zombie and control you. But the way that they actually describe it here, we're like, if somebody did blow this on you, you'd basically freeze up. That's pretty much how it works. Cool. Yeah. I keep a stock of that stuff in case I get in a jam. (laughs) Like if the Uber driver like wants mm-hmm. to go around the block a couple times, devil's right. breath. Yeah, best wow. time to make somebody freeze up is when they're driving you in a car. 100%. It works yeah. every time. Yeah. Five stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is your Uber rating, Justin? <laughs> I, if I could tell you the number of times I've dusted Pete, I, what, a, what a story. Oh, that explains a lot. Um, Betty meets Don in the woods fun confrontation one of many meetups in the woods they have yeah um i think that donna gets a text from her being like meet me outside do you know the place and she's like this unknown number is betty cooper and i'm going to meet her at the same clearing we were at previously i agree that was especially the the fact that it was an unknown number unnecessary Uh, yes (laughs) you don't need to call from a strange number yeah i feel like they she probably called the called her before because they met up at pops so they probably have each other's numbers yeah no, it's it's like but Betty's being smart. She doesn't want anything traced back to her cell phone. That's all that is. Uh, that's fair. You're much better at covering a, uh, getting away with murder than we are, Pete. <laughs> uh, do you think though that Betty is in Donna Sweet's Fave Five? <laughs> yeah, is that a good uh, ref? Is that a good ref, Pete? Do you like ref. that ref? Sick ref, dude. If I knew what you're talking about, I would call it out. Yeah. Look into some phone services from I don't know. I want to say ten years ago. Yeah, oh, we, cool, we cool. had a baby Topical. pizza boy. <laughs> Deep, the refs only get deeper. Uh, so Betty's big plan is they um, call a search party. They move the body to a place where it's found. Archie is like, "There's the bo- here's the body. I found the There's body, the body is it, over here. Is it Jughead? Uh, it is Jughead. Uh, we see a montage of all the scenes we've seen across this season. With no uh, sound. Very powerful. It was cool. Yeah. I love the way it ends. I loved it. Brett and Donna showing up at the morgue, which is a weird thing for them to do. And mm-hmm, Betty yeah. loses it and throws them out. Like yeah, she And we do, we should mention, because this is important, you see what certainly looks like Jughead's body, seen by FP and Archie in the same outfit that he was wearing the night of the bonfire, the night of the Ards of March party. And then we see him on the slab in the morgue. He looks gray. He looks black and blue. There's a gash on his head. He's not breathing as far as we can tell in the scene. So it legitimately at this point looks like Jughead's is dead. Like we've seen the morgue scene before, but all of this extra information is like, what? What is happening here? It's, they're doing an excellent job of creating doubt about whether he's alive or dead at this point. Agreed. Yeah. And I think Brett and Donna being at the morgue is a telling detail. Either yes. they are fooling all the Riverdaleys. Um, and they they dusted him to make him appear dead there, and that's why they happen to be at the morgue. Or the opposite, if the Riverdaleys are the ones who are pulling this scam, they made sure that Brett and Donna were there to see dead mm-hmm. Jughead. Yeah. Jug dead, if you will. Jug dead. Yeah, but also, 
uh, Donna has an in with the creepy morgue assistant dude. So, does Dr. Curdle? Yeah, she pays him off a bunch of times. Does she? What? When? Like to get information? Oh, she you mean Betty? Paid. Yeah, Betty. Oh, oh well, Betty. Donna. You keep saying other names. You oh, said Donna. Dang it! I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> it's uh, luckily they're all the three characters on this show, so it's very easy to keep track of. Um, we have uh, Mary and Archie. The scene we talked about there. I love this. Like I said, this attempted connection between them. I did think it was weird though when she's like, "This is supposed to be the best year of your life," mm-hmm. which I thought was a little reductive for a mom to say to her son. <laughs> I don't know. Senior year is supposed to be kind of great. Yes, uh, but this has clearly not been the best year of Archie's life. <laughs> Everything yeah, it's has been, been a pretty bad, bad year. Um, yeah. I yeah. did like the acknowledgement that, like, oh, your your dad died, your best friend died. This is terrible. And then we get that very open ended, Mom. I need to confess something from Archie. And again, could go either way. He could be confessing. We have a plan. Jughead is not actually dead, which seems like the logical jumping off front from what Mary is saying. Yes. Versus her saying, this is the, supposed to be the best year of your life. Your dad died. Your best friend died. And uh, Archie being like, oh, yeah, we killed him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Definitely. He wants to make his mom feel better because his mom is feeling sorry for him. So he says, actually, it's not so bad. Jughead's not dead. Because of this. And that was the most telling scene. Like every every other scene really felt like it could waffle other way. I really felt like the way KJ Appa was playing it was too much in the direction of Jughead's not dead. I'm in on this plan. Here's what's going on. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, He believes that. That's what he believes. Wait, you think Jughead's dead? No, I think Archie is just focusing on the fact that, like, hey, no, we're trying to get to the bottom of this mystery. I'm not quite sure what you're saying right now. Okay. Well, Wait, which mystery? Jughead dying. Is Jughead dead in your mind or is Jughead <laughs> not dead in your mind? Wait, I don't Pete, are you a character he... on Riverdale? Because you're confusing me. <laughs> I, I don't think that he believes, even though we've seen the body, he's still hoping there's going to be something where Betty figures out that Jughead's somewhere else or something. Oh, okay. So yeah. in your mind, Archie is currently watching Riverdale, unsure whether Jughead is dead or not, and trying to figure out the clues? Yes. Uh, he's saying Archie's in the dark along like we are, and he's okay. he's accepting what is they've shown us on the show. Archie just saw Betty over Jughead and knows nothing more. Okay. And that they, they move the actual Jughead's actual dead body. Okay, got it. Which I think is a viable theory, because then I think in this scene, he's saying to his mom, yeah, Jughead died, and we, this is what happened. We moved the body. It could go that way. What I'm saying is I think it goes more in the other direction, where Archie is giving up the truth. But anyway, we're getting stuck in the weeds here. Let's keep going, because we're almost uh, done. We're almost done, yeah. So uh, Don and Betty have a uh, second confrontation in the woods. Um, Betty says the man that I love uh, is dead, uh, which sounds a little fake there as well. Not a comment uh, on her acting. Also, a she's on wearing line. his jacket at yes. the time. And yeah. a lot of folks have pointed this out, but she's speaking in present tense. She's saying the man that I love, not the exactly. man that I loved. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Read into that however you will. 
She um, was uh it was a straight Betty kind of taking back power, being like, No more defense, I'm on the offense. How dare seed. you come yeah, how dare you come at me? Yeah. I'm fucking Betty Cooper. Yeah. Completely uh, shakes Donna too. Like the yes. entire time oh, Donna yeah. has this smug look on her face. Up until now, when Betty obliterates her, walks away without looking back at the explosion, and then meets up with the other two at Pops to be like, now we wait. Now we see what their move is. Let them move. Let them get in front of us again and win. That's our plan. Yeah. I also liked how like Betty was walking away and then kind of like stopped, leaned in, and was like, you're going to regret this. And then yes. kept walking. Now, how does it work with a woods confrontation like that? Does Donna have to wait there until Betty leaves the woods? Because she can't like <laughs> yeah. leave right away. She's right. like, yeah, it's, you, you can walk. Yeah, in you gotta give directions. that a beat. You can't both walk out like, oh, we're both leaving now because the confrontation's over. But there's yeah. only really one way out of the woods. It's not like there are two paths that they right. parked in different like parts. I mean, of Donna's got like a classic Ra- Ralph Waldo Emerson situation. Exactly. There were two <laughs> paths in the woods, <laughs> and I took the one less traveled. That's Henry David Thoreau. I don't care. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe you should check your poetry Fuck brain. Poetry. Dog. Fuck poetry. Wow, man. The only poetry I need is the poetry written by Jughead Jones on a little show called Riverdale. Yes, that's also prose. Um, so the uh, <laughs> at the I end, don't fucking care. <laughs> uh, the gang. We end the episode with the gang waiting for the Stonewallies to make a move. Yeah. Yeah. That's her uh, plan. So there we go. Uh, we're going to get into theories, I'm sure, because as I mentioned, basically every comment to question that we got was about theories. So let's jump into it here, uh, starting with the first one. This is from BCatGirl903 on Instagram. And the question is, is Jughead really dead? Three question marks. So nope. that's the big nice. one. At this point, what do you think? Is Jughead really dead, Pete? No way, man. Great. No extrapolation. Okay, Justin, what about you? Uh, No, I don't think he's dead. And I think this episode did a great job of keeping us in the dark while showing us things happening. Like, I think it could very honestly go in a couple different directions um, to who is in in who is in the know and who is in the dark. My theory, if should I say my theory now? Uh, no, as Pete established, we're saying no Jughead is dead or yes, Jughead is dead. <laughs> Thank you. Not That's elaborating what the people at all. That's what <laughs> yes. Thank you. No, do, I want to hear your theory. Yeah. So Aww. my theory is that um, that actually the the masterminds of this are Charles and Chick. And um, they're using a combination of hypnosis uh, on, on Betty and and everyone really to um, get revenge on Riverdale in general, but specifically Betty and her family for rejecting them because they've both been rejected by the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I think they're using they're they're going to be sort of the notch above the Stonewall people because I think the Stonewall people want this uh, for their storytelling th- thing, and so they love the idea of beating the Riverdaleys. But uh, at the end of the day, I I don't think the, the our gang knows anything about what's happening, and it's up to them to unravel this mystery. All right, are we going to get into? All right, so I think uh, Jughead is not dead, and that it is uh, Donna uh, and the Stonewall prep, the Skull and Twig, wherever the fuck they are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, are, it's all comes Quill back to the skull. Quill and skull. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who, who gives a shit? So it all comes back to, uh, I'm just quoting you, Zalb. I'm just quoting your, you know, philosophy. I was talking about poetry, which, like, we can all agree, fuck poetry. Oh, this no. is Riverdale. <laughs> you got to be serious about this. Yeah, yes. okay. So, uh, and I think that, yeah, it all comes back to the book contract thing. Mm. But I, I do, I do think... agree with Justin, though, that the... Uh, Chick and Charles are trying mm-hmm. to worm their way back in. So a couple of details I'll throw out there because I, first of all, yes, Jughead definitely alive. This episode did a great job to make like the gears in my head grind to a halt watching like, how are they going to get out of this? Like, just from a plot perspective, yeah. how are they going to figure this out? Because in every, even last episode, it felt like, okay, there's outs, there's ways, I don't know how. But here they're like, here is his dead body. This is his dead body on a slab. He is dead. We're going to find him in the woods dead. What is going on here? And I still do think we are going to get that reveal. And I feel pretty confident just because... The show has done a good job of rather shockingly hiding the clues you need to actually figure out the mystery in the past, but also at the end of the day, like, look at the season three finale where it's like, oh, that does make sense. That all does come together. All right, good. I got this. And I think I feel like this is the same thing here because it's even more complex mystery. So I don't know how he is not dead at this point. My best guess is like we talked about Charles even if it's not devil's breath, seems to know a lot very casually about different drugs and things. And there's certainly drugs that can make you look like you're dead. So whether Charles Jughead, as we know, went to Betty and said, do you trust me? I got to figure out the sex tape thing that we had. And then we got to move past that. And then I'm going to take down the Stonewallies. But trust me for right now, I feel like his first call is to Charles. Who's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Yeah. Potentially, Jughead looks like he's dead to everybody, and nobody does know that he's dead. So the Stonewallies think that he's dead. Betty, Archie, and Veronica thinks that he's dead. The only person who does not, who knows he's not dead, is Charles. That's one scenario. And he yeah. uses this powder repeatedly, whatever it is, to make it look like Jughead's dead. Or the other possibility is that they use this powder to make the Stonewallies think he's dead. And I do think there's a possibility that, like, they came on him in the woods. They did hit him with this rock. Betty is standing over him. Archie was like, oh, my God, he's dead because I tested his pulse for three seconds. And then Jughead in the woods comes back to life and is like, guys, no, wait, hold on. Let me explain what's going on. You need to pretend that I'm dead. So they are all in on it at that point. Hmm. But this is just like random guesses. I think you're leaving out. Uh, Zalbin, and I think on purpose, because we all know the head wound wasn't from the rock, it was from the bear who is going to slowly just take out everybody Uh in Riverdale. Uh Yeah, that's it. Uh, The other thing that I'll say, though, uh, that I wanted to mention, though, about Justin, about your theory with Charles and Chick, is I agree that that's that's too dangling a thing to not deal with this season. But I think, if anything, they don't want revenge. They want acceptance. Because both Chick and Charles have always been like, 
all we want is to be part of the Cooper Smith family. And so I think if anything, we'll get a more twisted type gaslighting thing that the only people you could trust, the only person you could trust is me, Charles. So I could see some sort of scenario like that. Uh, and that that's fair. That could be. But I think um, the scene you mentioned about uh, Charles seeing the picture in FP's office, I think that's a big indicator. I still think that they're the ones behind the tapes uh, and they're mm-hmm. the tapes are what has led to the hypnotizing of the town, because I also think there's a world where they have hypnotized the town into buying that either another body is Jughead or or just uh, something as weird as a dummy is lying mm. on that slab. And we oh, had, wow. Interesting. So you're saying that the VHS tapes, when you hit play on that, you're being hypnotized. Yes. Mm. Like a classic uh, The Ring scenario. Oh, it's yes. The Ring. Not, that's, not what that movie, <laughs> that's not what that movie was. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets hypnotized yeah, yeah. by the tapes. Yeah. I remember. The, I've seen it. Because but I, that I think has another, a well lady, which is, as we all know, the creepiest. I think another function of this plot is to split up uh, Betty and Jughead. I so this is I'll just mention this here. This is uh, something that I put up on uh, Tumblr because people were asking me about it, and I got so much hate about this. Good. People were like, they legitimately were like, "I'm going to kill you for saying this." So I'll just say it here on the podcast. Here's what potentially I think could happen. You know, Justin, I've been off the Barchi predicting game. Yes. For at least <laughs> at least a several weeks now. Uh, but I, I've been out for the whole season. I do feel like I'm back in just based on the fact that, like, what we talked about is the only thing that could break up Bughead is something seismic, right? Like something that yeah. absolutely just huge. So... A way of doing that, something huge, is Jughead dies, right? And yeah. with Veronica, she's dealing with the Hiram stuff. There's clearly been some seeds of doubt planted about what's going to happen with her and Archie post-graduation. So I could see a world, because we've also seen that flash-forward scene where Betty and Archie are at Pops, and Betty is like, I don't think he's coming back. I don't know what's happening. That they legitimately think Jughead is dead. Jughead is not dead. He has clearly been dead for this episode. He's dead for the next episode. Maybe we as viewers know he's back alive, but everybody else doesn't know he's back alive next episode. And then the episode after that, I believe, is the musical. By that point or during that, Veronica and Archie break up for whatever reason because of stress over college or over Hiram or covering up the murder or anything like that. Betty thinks she is alone. She thinks Jughead is dead. Archie is stressed out because Veronica has broken up with him. They're in the musical. Uh, things are heightened. And at the end of the musical, they kiss. Yep. And the episode ends. We know the episode after that. We've seen some photos that are clearly a flashback to them as kids. And I feel like the smart thing to do is they kiss. We've spent all these seasons on Bughead. Then you have an episode that flashback to like, they were friends as kid. They had this proposal yes. when they were eighteen, and they sells build, us on we, the relationship. We build the the whole exactly. Barchi romance in that whole episode, and that we build the Barchi and romance in this episode, and that is when Jughead comes back. Exactly, like, and that's the revenge term from- or not, but like, I think that's the way that you get to it, and it creates this dramatic complication. Uh, 
excuse me, but nobody wants to hear about your fucking weird ass fanfic. All right. <laughs> hey, have you been writing me on Tumblr, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are all Pete Burner accounts. Oh, nice. Uh, well, let's get to another question. We have a lot of other questions. We're already going very long on this podcast. Uh, Sarah without an H on Twitter says, and I am so excited to talk about this one. Uh, now is the perfect time to introduce Souphead. Uh, do you do you guys know about Souphead? Yes, Alex. I know about yeah. Souphead. Yeah, you fucking post on Twitter all day. Yeah, I love Soupad. Uh So uh, just for those who don't know about Soupad, Soupad is an actual character from Archie Comics. He is the identical cousin of Jughead, who is smaller than Jughead and also loves soup, but otherwise they're identical. And people legitimately think that Jughead is going to die and then Cole Sprouse is going to come back as Soupad on the show. Yeah. Which has been making me, like, it is... The funniest thing. Very no. Soupad died. Soupad oh, was Soup wearing had the rabbit died. head. Uh -huh. and, yeah, and so Soupad was wearing rabbit head. <laughs> yeah, I think rabbit head is wearing a rabbit head. Yeah, I I just I almost want it to be Soupad because I want them to be like, no, that can't be Jughead. That he loves soup. <laughs> yep, yeah. that's a different guy. That's how they'll test. Yeah, but him. look what happens to his body when we put soup close to it. So it's got to be. Like it perks up or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stomach. They pump his stomach, and it's full of soup. Uh, she continues. I also don't understand why they burned his iconic beanie when he was still dressed in his serpent's jacket, and his body wasn't really disposed of expertly. If they were trying to hide his murder, can I also say I love the dynamics of Lily, Betty, and Sarah Donna Sweet on screen? Amazing job from both of them. Uh, okay. Definitely agree with that. Why did they burn the beanie? Yeah, I know. It's really well. That's again, I think, a function of what they thought at the end of season three. They're like, we're going to make this moment of burning the beanie. Then, when they actually were telling the story, they were like, eh, it doesn't make sense to have his body not be the body ends up being important and the jacket and all that. So then it's this weird symbolic thing where it's very odd. Uh, yeah. I think maybe they just found the beanie somewhere else and, you know. They kind of put it with their clothes and stuff. That's all. Yeah. Maybe Archie rubbed his head all over and they're like, Archie, your red hair is yeah. all up in this beating. Now we got to burn it. Yeah. Uh, Disney Riggs on Instagram says, my theory is this. Maybe Betty and Archie think Jughead's dead, but Betty and Jughead are just faking his death. Like it's part of their plan to fake his death. Um, sure. As fair as any other theory, I think at this point. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I do think there's another, uh, I've imagined uh, the scene of the three of them burning the clothes when we finally get the reveal pulling out and revealing that Jughead's standing there in that scene also in his underwear. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have any evidence to back that up or anything, but that's just visually. That's an interesting way to tell the story. Yeah, but we know that didn't happen because he said he was too cold to be there that day. <laughs> That's true, Alan. That's true. Pete. Yeah. Well, maybe they filmed it during the summer when it's a bit warmer in Vancouver. Uh, Jen Hart emoji on Twitter says, not a question or theory, but just expressing my absolute devastation about Skeet leaving crying emoji, broken heart emoji. Yeah, Skeet Ulrich is leaving the show. He and Marisol Nichols are both going at the end of the season. Uh, the invitation is open for them to come back. That's what Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa said, so I don't think they're dying or anything like that. There's going to be no murders. Um, but very wow. sad. Craziest yeah. statement all day. There's going to be no murders. Yeah, um, yeah um, that's that really sucks. 
those actors are really great and an important part of the show. You hate to see that. Uh, but yeah, hopefully the open invitation, if something comes up, they can come back to a little guest spot for stuff. So it doesn't feel so lacking, but, uh, Skeet has been killing it. I think he is an unbelievable, uh, kind of foil for Jughead in the beginning. And like uh, the way his acting choices and the fact that we're not going to get any more F palace is upsetting as well. That is very upsetting, yeah. but it looks like based on a still that was posted, that we're finally going to find out what was in that letter that FP wrote to Alice back, I think, a season back, maybe two seasons yeah. back at this point. A while ago. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, Lady Page on Twitter uh, says, why was everyone acting like Jughead's death wasn't a big deal? Betty and Archie especially. Betty treated it like any other mystery and not like the person she loves just died. No breakdowns or anything. Also, Betty was acting like a criminal mastermind, but simply went to Jellybean to ask for fake blood as if that wouldn't seem suspicious or discussing everything at Pops. Those are simply stupid mistakes that she shouldn't be making. What do you Agreed. think? Uh, Agree completely. Yeah, I think that, like, I, I agree with some of it, but I th- also thought it was hilarious how Betty quickly set up, like, a crafts table and started painting it to, you know, make it look like a kid's art project that someone stumbled across instead of actual blood, which I thought was kind of funny. I put uh, rocks covered in fake blood all over the woods just in case anything ever happened. That's smart, Zalvin. That's Gotta smart. cover your ass. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. I go. Well, in the what wood. was the first part about what she said? Oh, uh, there's you're what? not emotional at all about Jughead being. Oh dead. well, yeah, and she is treating it just like any other case because I think she mentally has to say that, you know, where it's like if you're freaking out, just be like, just treat this like any other thing. It's just like any other thing, like that kind of thing that is motivating her. I think. When something bad happens, you can focus on an activity. People talk about that. And I think that's what we're seeing all of them do. There's also just so much shit they had to do in this episode. There was no time for freakouts. No Betty's, time. Betty's been off her game a lot this season. And I think it's purposeful um, because we're dealing with a lot of people messing with her head. Uh, Evelyn and what I think the reveal later of, of the hypnosis. So... I think this is in line with that, that her emotions are disconnected. She almost has the dark Betty personality is very caught up with her emotions. And the front facing part of her personality is this like cold, calculated uh, mystery solver. So uh, I think that's what, what we're leading to. Uh, this is from C. Anks on Instagram. I think that Sabrina is going to save Jughead or he's really dead. But we also saw Cole Sprouse on set as Jughead at the cast stories. Unless you guys are recording some flashback stuff. Uh, we're definitely not recording some flashback stuff. Uh, but we saw Jughead really, really dead. But we also saw stitches on his head. Oh, and Jughead was the narrator of this episode. Definitely a lot of back and forth here. And this is certainly what I'm feeling like. Uh, do you yeah. think Sabrina is going to save Jughead? Um, no, but I, uh, the alluding to the Sabrina Riverdale f- sort of mashup cast photo. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the idea of that. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would love if later down the road or at some point, we do a little kind of crossover stuff with Sabrina, or at least they acknowledge the other shows more. Yeah. Uh, Maeve on Twitter says, is Jughead just narrating his new book for Audible? <laughs> Great question. Yeah, yeah Maeve. Would, uh, you, would you buy his book on Audible? 
listen I'd to listen, it on a long drive. I'd listen to it on the subway. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe heaven is just voiceover on a TV show. Who heaven is or Jughead on Earth? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Riverdale's underscore notifies on Twitter says, I think Jughead's faking his death. When Betty called Charles to help out, he took real Jughead somewhere safe. Betty and Charles probably know that Jughead is alive, but not Archie and Veronica. Everyone's reactions to Jughead's death seemed to fake. I don't don't think they're fake. I know, again, I think you could kind of read them any way you want, and that's purposeful. But I just felt like everybody was stressed out. That's what I was mainly getting. And I think Veronica specifically felt like she's legitimately questioning Betty. They were... She was questioning the, her in a room with just the three of them. So I don't think she knows what's happening. And she's caught up in her own business. Archie, I think, could go either way. And Betty is up to something. But it, I don't know. We don't know if it's just like panic or actual mourning her, her lost yeah. love. Uh, this is from Kristen Abate on Twitter. So what if this was Jughead's novel, not the Stonewall assignment to the perfect murder, but a submission to get into college or get the Baxter Brothers contract? Jughead said that he had a plan and that Betty needed to trust him. I just don't see him really dead, or I hope not. Uh, yeah, again, I, uh, he's not really dead. I don't think he is. I don't know how they're going to get out of it. But I got to say the... I'm feeling more and more like the theory that this is just Jughead's novel would be the biggest bummer to me. Yeah. Well, let me throw this out, though. Uh, separate of that, what if this story is uh, is Jughead's submission into uh, a college program or whatever? And that's part of what is further taking him away from Betty at the end of this season. Because I, I think we've seen a couple times where um, Archie has or Jughead has taken advantage of uh, Betty's trauma and stories to get ahead in his career. And if he's doing that and using this plot and this thing, if Betty doesn't know about it and she's been through this horrible thing where she thought Jughead was dead and then he uses that story to get the Baxter Brothers contract or whatever. I think that's a nail in the coffin for the Bughead relationship. Again, we don't want to hear your weird fanfic. OK, so stop. <laughs> Pushing uh, Jughead and Betty apart, okay. And the name the name of the book is Barchi Rising. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take five copies, please. Yeah, back on board. I'm back on board. Uh, Mortis underscore on Instagram says Charles is secretly working together with Brett and Donna. That's why they do about Betty's plans. Maybe I don't know. Sure. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It, I think the one thing that we didn't really talk about is, with the Betty Donna thing is that DuPont and the Baxter Brothers cabal are out there somewhere, and they feel like a bigger threat than two assholes who are going to a private school, you know? Yes. So, I don't know how I that crosses know. over with Charles, no per se, but that I feel like Mr. Honey is part of this as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. A couple more, and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, Amelie on Twitter says, only a comment, so not sure if it's useful. Mary's big personal news were a bit buried under the mania of the main plot. There wasn't really space for it. Also, Betty yelling at Archie on the phone to not be stupid seemed very off for their relationship. Happy recording. Thank you so much. (laughs) That's so nice. Uh, Yeah. Did you feel like the Mary thing kind of got buried in the middle of the episode? Yeah, there was so much shit. Yes. But, I mean, I don't begrudge them that. I mean, 
every episode has a million things. It's hard to say. The only thing that in this entire series that's not been buried is the episode dedicated to Fred Andrews uh, yeah. and, and that death. Like everything in this episode and the show is always happening at the same time. So I just like I thought it was a great choice for Mary and I like that it's going to be part of the story. So I like that they even had three scenes with Mary and Archie Mm -hmm. sort of being together, connecting and having this revelation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, All right. We got a bunch more questions, but I think we are going to wrap up here. And thank you to everybody who sent them in. Apologize. Apologies to anybody we didn't get to. Couple of things before we go. If you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will definitely chat with you about all of our Jughead theories. Socially, you can check us out at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook. Pete, you wanted to throw something out there? Yeah, we're really going to end without saying who we thought won the episode. Oh, I did forget about that. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Here we go. I'm curious, actually, because, Pete, you have been off game the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Why don't we start with Justin to build anticipation? Justin, who won the episode? Oh, shit. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to throw it out to Donna. Um, her heel turn and uh, villain status, I thought, was really uh, well done in this episode. And I like her eclipsing Brett as the villain of the Stonewall Preppies. And I'm going to choose Mary for this episode. You know, as we talked about, I I like this episode. I like this tension of the episode overall. I was very, like, watching it so closely for clues. But the point that I literally yelled out loud as I was watching it is when uh, Mary came out to Archie. I thought it was so sweet, so wonderfully yeah. done, and such a nice surprise in the middle of the episode. Even even if it maybe got a little lost, but that's Riverdale. Pete, what about you? Who I, won I, the episode? I agree with you, Salvin. I'm going to say Archie just because of the way he was so supportive <laughs> of his mom wow. and like really loved, <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, really loved like how this all kind of, and I, I really also liked how he, uh, you know, didn't mind being, you know, the kind of pawn in Betty's plan of being like, all right, I'll go beat up Brett, no problem. And I thought that was really great of him. Uh, it's nice to see him still, you know, I still love Betty, but, you know, until this bullshit is over, uh, I'm going to kind of uh, mix it up. And if you listen to this podcast and work for us weekly, let us know. We're happy to get you an exclusive for Pete about how it's over between him and Betty <laughs> for your cover. Uh, it's not over. Nothing's over. It certainly seems on the rocks. At the very least. Nope. No? I don't know. You used to be all day, every day. Now you're not three weeks in a row, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Pete, very worried about you. You can subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we will see you after dark. Bughead is bug dead. Barchi rising, baby. Oh, no way. Man.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.